Thank y'all for singing with me. And now I got to pull up the hymn number verse 630. What a friend we have in Jesus. And there, there is not a friend like the lowly Jesus, is there? I sure am glad Jesus is a friend to sinners like me and saw fit to bleed and die that I might be right with the Father and saved from a devil's hell. Let's all sing together. We'll do all three verses of this one. Come. Um. 
in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. Thou will find a solace there. Amen. If y'all uh, join me in welcoming Brother Tilly here. Brother, you just come on and share what God's laid on your heart and you close the service as you see fit.
Hang a long time. Oh, there we go. Now you can hear me. Hello. Hey. But anyhow, uh, those people are wonderful people. They work all day in, in the hot sun. They work in the trying to find enough food so they can come back at night and feed their family. And then they're back in church by 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Uh, they'll stay there till 11, 11.30, sometimes 12. Uh, we, don't, we don't know about that stuff here in America. We want it cut and dried. Do it quick. Get out of here. Let's go home. Go to McDonald's. Get us a quick burger and go home. Amen? Or take it home and eat. That's the best thing to do. Anyhow, God's been good to us. Amen? I wish that a lot of people could see what we see. I go to a lot of places. I've, I've been to more than 100 nations. Had the privilege of preaching in more than 100 nations. I preached. I had a friend of mine that was at the house the other day, and he was trying to figure out where I had not been. He never did name a town or a, a, a country that I hadn't been to. He said, man, you've been everywhere. And I said, well, that's what Johnny Gash said. Man, I've been everywhere. <laughs> but uh, I have. God has been so good to me to let me travel, see this world, to be able to preach the gospel, the glorious truths. I've seen people's lives changed all over the world. Uh, some of those places I'll never get to go back. I hope I do. I wish I could. But a lot of those places I'll probably never get to go back to, that we've had converts. I've been to a lot of places. They said, yeah, preacher, you remember me? And I said, no, I don't. Uh, but yet, said, I was saved. Told me where it was at. I remember being there, where they got saved, when they got born again. And now they're in the ministry, serving the Lord around the world, doing a great work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, if you found your place in your Bible, I'll tell you where it's at. Oh, you don't have ESPN? Is that what that is? <laughs> but anyhow... Uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14. Yeah, I see it. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, see what you're doing. But uh, obeying God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just read through this passage and then we go to the house. But uh, one of the things that we need to understand is obedience. Obeying God. Christians today have a hard time obeying God. Even in the New Testament, even the disciples had a problem. Now, I've heard this passage preached many, many times. You can preach it any way you want to. I preach it the way I want to, amen? I like this passage because of the simple fact that it's Peter disobeying God. Now, you look at it as it's a miracle of God that Peter was able to walk on the water. Of course, Peter didn't walk on the water. He got out of the boat to walk on the water, but he didn't walk on the water. About the time he got his pinky in the water, he began to sink, and God had to pick him up and put him back on the boat. That's the question today is when God says something, how many times does he have to say it? When God says, I want you to do this certain thing, I see a lot of preachers. I was down in the Bahamas. There was uh, many, many preachers before me before I went to the Bahamas. We used to go out and knock on doors. There was many, many preachers. Used to be preachers. I don't know if they was ever preachers or not. Uh, I believe that God's calling is without repentance. I believe God's gifts and callings is without repentance. But yet, we'd go out, knock on doors, and find many people that had once been saved 
And now they say they're not saved. They don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior. And I get, that, that confuses me. Because when God saved me, I never did look back. There was nothing to look back to. Uh, it was all forward for me. How good that God had been to me. But yet when God speaks to an individual. And I want you to look at these verses very carefully. I'm going to be reading to you in just a moment. But I want you to look at these passages of Scripture and analyze them. Put them in your life. And if God speaks to you, we need to be obedient to God. God wants us to be obedient to Him. Obeying God. God wants us to obey Him. You believe that? Of course we do. We know that we should obey God in every circumstance. It doesn't matter what the circumstances is. I, I think about Richard Warmbrandt. I don't know if you ever heard that name. Richard Warmbrandt was a preacher in Russia. I met him. He came to my school, my, my Tennessee Temple Schools, back years and years and years ago. He just got out of prison. He could barely walk. They had to, somebody had to stand on both sides of him so that he might be able to walk a straight line because he'd been in prison. They, they just treated him so terrible. But yet at the same time, he would never give up on the Lord. He would always say, I know the Lord Jesus Christ is my Savior I'm going to live for him. I'm going to obey him. I'm going to do what needs to be done. Finally, they let him go, and he came to America. He had a wonderful ministry. Even he began to heal. His body began to heal some, and uh, I heard him preach on several occasions, two or three occasions uh, there in Chattanooga, Tennessee, many years ago. But he obeyed God. Uh, we obey God rather than man. That was some of the problems that was in the New Testament there in the book of Acts. The people said, we must obey God, not man. You know, we need to get back to old-fashioned obedience. My daddy wouldn't stand for anything but obedience. My daddy wasn't saved, but he had good moral principles. That's one thing that I appreciate about my daddy. My dad did get saved three weeks before he passed away. What he said, trusted the Lord as his Savior. But yet all the days that I lived in his, under his roof, I had to obey him. Some of you may have parents the same way. When they spoke, you listened. If you didn't listen, you suffered the consequences. Amen? That was my dad. That was my mom. Mom was a little bit more lenient than my daddy. My daddy was not lenient. He said, this is the way it is, and that's the way it was. Amen? But yet... Here we find in this passage of Scripture, in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 14, and we're going to read, start reading, if you will, in verse number, uh, verse number 22. If you'll notice in the beginning of chapter 14 that uh, John the Baptist just lost his head because he stood for something. He said, it's not right for you to take another man's wife. Not right for you to do what you're doing. And of course... Herod didn't like that, so he sliced his head off his shoulders. That just happened here in chapter 14, in the beginning of chapter 14. And we find on down a little bit farther in verse number 22 is where we're going to pick up our reading. In verse number 22, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get into a ship and to go before him unto the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Now, I don't know what you get out of that, but, there ain't, but one thing I get out of that is that they was to be in a ship and go to the other side. 
Is that what you get? That's what I see. Get in the boat, get on the other side. In the boat, other side. In the boat, other side. But yet at the same time, as we read on, you're going to see some circumstances happen. You say, well, circumstances should change things. I know it does. It shouldn't, but it does. So many times, there have been times I like to quit the mission field. My wife and I lived 28 years on the mission field. Lived 20 years in Europe. And then moved down to the Bahamas. Stayed uh, eight years in the Bahamas. And uh, maybe a little more than eight years. About uh, ten years in the Bahamas. Uh, we, we, there have been a lot of times when I saw airplanes in the air. I would say, oh, that I had the wings of a dove. I'd get out of here. It's difficult when you go to a foreign country. When they speak different, they act different, they talk different, they even look different in many cases. And you have a tendency to say, I'm tired, I'm ready, I'm ready to quit. That's what happened to Peter. Now Peter and all the disciples, the way, way it speaks there in verse number 22, straightway Jesus constrained his disciples. We know how many there were, there were 12 disciples. And Peter was one of them. We're going to find some things out about Peter. Many Christians are like this today. Many Christians are in that same situation. God has commanded, I, I'll never forget in the beginning of my ministry years ago, I was down at the Carolina Beach. I was preaching in a church down there. I think it was Community Baptist Church, if I'm not mistaken. And in that church, we preached that night, and that night there was a young man that came, and he just wept, I mean wept and wept and wept. And I thought, what in the world is going on with him? I've been over and asked him what has happened. He said, I missed it. I missed it. I missed it all. I said, what do you mean you missed it? He said, God spoke to my heart about being a preacher. And I ignored it and I went into the business world. I missed it. And he kept saying that. I missed it. I missed it. You'd be surprised how many Christians that are sitting in our churches tonight all over this country that has missed it. God told them what to do and the direction to take, but yet they refused to take it because they thought their way was better. They justified it. Jesus told his disciples in the boat, other side. Simple, isn't it? Very, very straightforward. He constrained them. I don't know what you get out of that word constrained, but I know what my daddy meant when he said he constrained me to do certain things. That meant you better do it or else. And I think it was the same way with the Lord Jesus. He said, this is what needs to be done. I want you to do this. And the disciples was on the boat headed to the other side. And so we find that God wanted them to obey his command. In the boat, other side. In the boat, other side. Stay in the boat till you get the other side. And if you'll notice a bit farther... In verse, number 20, in verse number 23, and when he had sent his multitude away, or when he had sent the multitude away, he went up into a mountain uh, apart to pray, and when the evening was come, he was there alone. Now, always remember, this is encouragement to me, and I trust it will be a great encouragement to you as well, that Jesus is always praying for us. He never fails to pray for us. He knows that we've got this flesh to deal with. 
He knows that we got the world to live in and we got to deal with it. And we know that we got the devil to work with as well. He knows that and he's constantly praying for us. Nothing ever gets done without Jesus Christ praying for his people. He's praying for us tonight. He's praying that we might make the right decision in this service that we might be able to do the right thing in the right place at the right time. If we're not careful, we'll disobey God. And that's what happened in this passage of Scripture as we read a little bit farther. If you'll notice in verse number 24, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea. And it goes on to say, it was tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. And in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. It's normal for God to do things like that, but not normal for humans. It's not meant for man to walk on water. Man's always tried to have contraptions to walk on water. We made boats that just about looks like that we are walking on water. We've got all kinds of paraphernalia that we use that we might be able to get across. Used to be big ships going across the ocean taking missionaries and different people. Now we got airlines, but yet water has always been captivating to mankind. We're trying to capture that element that we might be able to cross it and not really drown. Well, they are in a trouble now. They're in the midst of the sea, the winds are blowing, the rain is coming, they're in the middle of a storm, and Jesus walks up on the water. I don't know about you, but sometimes I meet the Lord in difficult situations. He wants to be there. He will be there. He never never leaves us nor forsakes us. He's always there. He's always concerned about his children. I'm, I'm, I'm a grandfather of, uh, of eight wonderful grandchildren. But yet at the same time, I still wonder about my grandchildren. I still pray for my children. My wife and I, every night before we, we retire to go to bed or whatever, uh, we sit and read the Bible and we pray for our children. That's one thing we pray for is our children. Pray for our friends, our neighbors, our relatives. But yet at the same time, we never get over it. Once that we have children, and all all we are God's children, if we're born again, we're really God's children. But notice, if you will, a little bit farther in this passage of Scripture. Don't don't lose me. We, We ain't dismissed yet. You don't have to start praying before I get done praying. But if you'll notice in verse uh, verse uh, 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled. Now, why would they be troubled at the sight of the Lord Jesus? There's only one reason that they would be troubled is they didn't know who it was. They weren't sure it was him. Notice what it says there in verse number 26. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit. And they cried out, for fear. They're not, they're not really sure it's the Lord Jesus. Have you ever been in trouble and didn't, didn't think that maybe the Lord had forgotten you? 
I have. I've been overseas in many places. I remember sitting in Cuba one day, uh, just as clear as it was yesterday, sitting in the service. The pastor came to me and said, uh, in, in, in broken English, he said, there's an informant here tonight. Be careful what you say. I thought, good gracious. Informants in Cuba could put you in jail and leave you there and forget about where the key was at. But yet at the same time, I was fearful. But the reason I was fearful, I didn't realize that Jesus was also praying for me. But yet at the same time, he's with me. He never leaves me. That's what Emmanuel means, that God with us. God will never leave you. God won't forsake you. He's concerned for you. He loves you. He wants the best for all of us. And that's what happened here. They didn't know it was him. They were, they was fearful. It might be a spirit. What, what, how, what's the phraseology here? Notice if you will. It is a spirit. They didn't know it was the Lord Jesus. And he goes on to say, and they cried out for fear. But notice a little bit, Father, Jesus don't stop there. He don't walk away, go away. Notice what he says, but straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And then notice how I know that they still don't know who he is, is what Peter says, his phraseology. Notice, if you will, in verse number 28, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if... That's a big word, isn't it? If it be thou... <laughs> Not sure it's you, but if it is, bid me. Notice what he says about what he wants to do. It, 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 it sort of startles me about Peter. Not really, I don't, it shouldn't, but it does. I mean, Peter is a disciple. He belongs to the Lord Jesus. He's no doubt at this particular time has, has understood that he is the Messiah. But at the same time, he's concerned about if it is him. If it is you, I know you can do all things. I ain't worried about that. You, you could save me. It doesn't matter. But the question is, if it be thou. Notice what it says. It's very clear, those, those uh, four words. If it be thou. Bid me. Bid me. Let me leave this boat. Wait a minute, I thought Jesus said he constrained his disciples to get in the boat and to go to the other side. Now he wants out. Now, is Jesus going to let him out? You know, Jesus is a gracious Savior. Many times he'll let us do things that we might be able to be delivered by him. Sometimes he does things in our life that he might be able to train us, to teach us, to help us, to be what we need to be. Many times we've not been trained enough to know who he is. You know, sometimes God wants us to know who he is, his presence. I think about the ladies that went to the tomb to see if the Lord Jesus was still there. He wasn't there. Oh, they've, they've taken him away. The ladies was concerned that they had stolen the Lord Jesus. <laughs> Almost comical, isn't it? But we're the same way. I mean, we can't laugh at anybody else because we do some of the same stuff. When God plainly says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, 
get in the boat, do whatever needs to be done, go for it, do it, and stay with it. Why are there so many missionaries coming home? Everybody's got their opinion. They're sort of like feet. Everybody's got two, and they both smell pretty bad. But why does, why does missionaries, why does preachers quit? Why does preachers give up? Why does church members, let's don't talk about preachers all the time, let's talk about church members. Why have church members forsaken the church, especially this day and hour? We know it's difficult hours, don't we? Sure we do. Why has people stopped? Now is the time where we need to snuggle up close to the Lord Jesus, find out which way he's going, and go with him. That's what that great preacher that said, we need to find out which way God's going and go with him. The problem is we've, we've disobeyed God. God wants us to obey him, obeying God. Do what God says. He never saved us for us to quit. That shouldn't be in, even in our vocabulary. Some people say, that's it. I, I'm, not, I'm just not going to go back. I, it takes a fool to say things like that. A person that's been saved by the grace of God can't say things like that. There's been times that I thought about saying things like that, but I always catch myself because I know that the Lord is praying for me, and not only that, He's there with me. These disciples had the Lord Jesus Christ just outside the boat. And they're seeking to get out of the boat. Just like today. Why is people leaving the church? It blows my mind. Baffles me. I'm concerned about our church membership. It's not difficult days. These are good days. One of these days, somebody's going to read about in history about the pandemic, COVID. I've lost a few people. We lost some preachers overseas, some of our dear, dear friends. I think about David Nagur. I think about Timotheus. I think about others that uh, Paul up in the north. These are good men, planted church after church after church. Many of them had planted more than 30 churches. Some of them over hundreds of churches. But God chose to, and we're going to read about this in history, years to come. And what are they going to say about the local church? Many churches are being sold today. We can't allow that to happen. We can't allow that to happen. We can't allow it to happen. I remember down in Florida, there was a man that was buying and selling houses, uh, buying and selling churches. Find a church that's going down in membership, get the few people together and say, let's sell, sell the building and we'll split the profit. They made a business out of it. Many churches. All over America, I heard Clarence Sexton over the Crown College. Uh, he's the president and founder of Crown College in, in Powell, Tennessee. He said, over 1,200 Baptist churches are closing this. I said, Baptist churches every year. We can't afford that. We can't afford this kind of attendance. I think I can fuss at you. 
Not you, but those that are not here. Why aren't they here? They're trying to find a way to disobey God. That's all I can say. I don't care what the circumstances is. We ought to do everything we can to make sure that this church, this is a very very good church that's been placed in an ideal situation right here in Hillsville. Fairly large uh, city, town, whatever you want to call it. And if we don't keep the doors open, swing wide doors. Let, I mean, we need to get busy, just like I've been preaching all day and going to preach it the rest of my life, what I've been preaching this morning and tonight. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change. Because I know what's happening. People are disobeying God. That's it. When people disobey God, you be sure God's work will not be accomplished. God wants his work to be accomplished. What did he say? He said, uh, uh, Go ye therefore and preach the gospel to every creature. Go ye therefore and teach every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, and teaching them to observe things. God has plainly told us what he's going to do. He told us where to start, and he told us where to finish. He says, start in your Jerusalem, start right here in Hillsville, and then go on about throughout the world, send missionaries, whatever, whatever needs to be done. Get the gospel to every nook and cranny of this town, and then go to the next county, and go to the state of Virginia, and then go to the other states, till every person is reached with the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do that, all we're doing is we're disobeying God. That's pretty hard, isn't it? I know it is. That's the reason I said it, because I know it's hard. I have to, I have to reiterate it to myself. Many times I feel like I'm getting in the middle of a storm. I want out of the storm. I don't want in the storm. Nobody wants to go through a storm. Nobody likes to go through difficulties. But tell me one person that never went through difficulties. Everybody at one time or another will go through difficulties. And so get a number. I got a friend of mine that always tells me, I'll tell him that, you know, things is not like I like for it to be and this and that and the other. He said, hey, he said, get a number and get in line. Everybody's got problems. I don't know of any preacher that don't have problems. If you don't believe it, sit down and talk to him just a few minutes. Preachers have got difficulties. But members are the same way. How are we going to reach a world grumbling and disillusioned? How are we going to reach a world when we are not satisfied doing that what God told us to do? Simple as it can be. In the boat, the other side. They ain't on the other side. They're in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. They're in the middle of it. There's all kinds of little storms that comes up on the Sea of Galilee. And they're in one. And they're all willing to quit. And I don't know all of them was willing to, but we know that Peter was. First thing that passed by. I see people today going to all kinds of cults. People are going to other churches that know that they're not right. That blows my mind. Does it you? Am I just blowing smoke tonight? I hope not. 
Why would people leave a perfectly good situation? Why would we do that? I know why. It's disobedience. If when we disobey God, when the Bible is very clear, go ye into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We ain't, we ain't even touched the hem of the garment. We ain't even began like we need to. And many people today are stopping. They're not witnessing. They're not telling others about the Lord Jesus Christ. I've had many comments today of what I preached this morning, but is it going to change us? When the storm comes, we'll still want out of the boat. And if you're not careful, you'll be out of the boat. And you wonder, why am I out of the boat? And that's what happened to Peter. If you'll notice there, uh, come, the Lord Jesus, verse 25, comes walking to them on the water, on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled and saying, it is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. But straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, be, be of good cheer, it's I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, he's not sure it's him, but if it be thou, if it be thou, Bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, come. Come on. Peter showed his failure the, the very moment that his toe touched the water. He began to sink. If you'll read it carefully, look what happened. Take it, verse, take it word by word. And Peter answered and said unto him, Lord, if it be thou, biddest me to come to thee on the water. And he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the boat, or the ship, he walked on the water to go. Does that mean he walked on the water? Or did he go? No, he was on his way. But guess what happened? He tried to defy gravity. Human beings can't do that. Peter's human. He proved it on, on several occasions that he was, a very human, he was a very human being. Fell you out the head. Oh, I'll never leave you. Boy, uh, hey, I'm your buddy. Man, I'll never leave you. Boy, I'm going to stay. I will never forsake. I'll be right there. I'll be out there for you. <laughs> Warming his hands. I don't know this man. Who are you talking about? You talking about the one that been, I don't know him. What's wrong with Peter? He's disobedient. Just like he is here. He went on there in verse number 11. In, uh, in verse, I'm sorry, in verse number uh, uh, 30. But when he saw the wind boisterous, he's still afraid. He's out of the boat, but still afraid. Some people said, well, that's my hero. He at least got out of the boat. He's my hero. He's going to drown if it wasn't for the Lord Jesus being there. That would have been all over for that old boy. But Jesus picked him up. Notice, if you will, I like the rest of the chapter because of the fact the rest of the chapter tells us exactly what happens. Notice, if you will, in verse number 30, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. Duh. He goes on to say 
in uh, verse number uh, 30. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. He was calling him spirit before. Wasn't sure it was him, but now he's hoping it's the Lord because that's the only hope he's got is the Lord Jesus. If it's not him, he's, he's sunk. He's over with. And we go on to see there in verse number 31, and immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, therefore, wherefore, Didst thou doubt? What happened to him? He stretched forth his hand, caught him. What did he do with him? And when they were come into the ship, he put him back on the ship. That's where he belonged. That's where God told him to be. Constrained him to get on the boat, go other side. It's a good illustration of Christians today. After all that we went through, I don't know about you, but I feel very exuberant that God has spared my life through that pandemic. I could have been one. I've got a, I've got a nephew. He was 50, 53 years old, 54 years old, 54 years old. Got sick. Three weeks later, on the ventilator, and just a few hours later, was cast out into eternity because of COVID. It's real. It was real. And people know that it was real. You probably had people that was touched by it. If anything, that would make us stay in the church, make us stay in the faith, make us to stay with God. But what has happened today, we have forsaken him. I mean, this is not the only church I'm in. All across this nation. I was in a little church up in, in, uh, in Indiana. Same thing. Same thing. The preacher was complaining about attendance being down. They went through it hard. Their mayor was was a hardcore, and shut it all down. Many people lost their life. But yet, somehow or another, when they come out to the other side, they're still fighting, rejecting. They still want out of the only safety that we have. And that's the Lord Jesus. Why would we want out? Don't make sense to me. We're living in Perilous times. Not as perilous as we make like it is, but I know it's bad times. But this is a good day to be alive. We can experience God's love and God's preciousness to us. We can see God answer our prayers. God has spared our life. We could have very easily lost our life. But we didn't. We still have it. Why do we still have it? Because he put us in the boat and said, get in the boat on the other side. Stay with it. You can't expect something unless you stay where God puts you. Stay with it. Just stay with it. 
I want you to read. Uh, we'll leave there. I, I, let's read a little bit more before we leave there, and then we'll, we'll close here in a minute. But immediately stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And a lot of people say, well, you know, if he hadn't doubted, he wouldn't have drowned. No, no. He doubted that he was obeying God because God said in the boat the other side. He got out of the boat. His faith was small because he didn't stay with what God told him to stay with. Notice of his father, if you will, there in verse number 32, and when they were come into the ship, the wind ceased. Verse 33, Then they that were in the ship came and worshipped him, saying of a truth, Thou art the Son of God. They recognized who he was, finally. Verse 34, And when they were gone over and came into the land of Gennesaret, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him. In other words, he carried on his ministry. All of them got safely on the other side. I believe that was planned in the beginning, don't you? Obey God. Obey God, obey God, listen to God. Tell, tell, when God tells you to do something, do it. Don't back up, just keep on doing it. Many times our plan seems better than what he gives us. I've been at this thing almost 48 years just as a missionary. been a Christian now since, well, almost 53 years. God's been so good to me. There's no reason to get out of the boat. If he puts you in the boat, stay in it. I want you to notice the passage of Scripture, and then we'll close with this. Acts, if you will. I love this passage of Scripture. Many times we read the first part. We don't read a few verses on. But Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. But ye shall receive power. After the Holy Ghost is come upon you, you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and all of Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. Verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, he's speaking these words to his disciples and to his followers. It says in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye why stand you? Ye gazing up into heaven, this same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. As for you and I, we got a work to be done. The work is not easy. Like I said, I've been in the ministry all these years. 
It's never easy. It's never been easy. It's not easy to get aboard of an airplane, fly out of this world, out of this country, go to these other countries, third world countries. Many of them never heard the name of the Lord Jesus. But you take your time and preach the gospel to them and so many receive the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior. But what is most people doing? They're talking about him coming back. Just because you talk about people, I hear people talk about their loved ones. They'd like for them to come back. No, we don't want our loved ones to come back. We want to go to them. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the big deal. One day, all this is going to be taken away. All of it's going to be burnt. Vervent heat's going to melt. Everything. The only thing we're going to have is Jesus. When God tells us to do something, would to God that we would do it. Do it with all of our heart until Jesus comes back. We don't need to be standing talking about him coming back. He's coming back. What we need to do is be obedient till he gets back. What are we all obedient about? Go into all the world, preach the gospel. Go and teach every nation. Tell them about Jesus, how that he suffered, bled, died, was buried, and rose again. Tell people about that. And then we can see great things happen. We have taken many detours of, dis- of disobedience. I wrote that down. That's a good statement. We have taken too many detours of disobedience. Peter took a detour. Peter's on a perfectly good boat that Jesus put him on say, so go to the other side. But Peter, wanting to get off of a perfectly good boat and disobey God. For what reason? He's afraid? Who isn't afraid? Tell me one human being don't get afraid at one time or another. We have taken too many detours. So Peter taking a detour that day from doing what God told him to do. On the boat, other side. On the boat, other side. That's pretty clear, ain't it? On the boat, other side. On the boat, other side. And your, your direction, your directives from him is just as clear. And if we're not careful, we'll disobey God. Why? Because we're not sure that's what he wants, even though he's told us, this is the way I want you to go. There's a way to walk in it. He's be promised, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. The best thing to do is make sure that you obey God from beginning to end. Did he need to get out of the boat? I don't think so. Did he get out of the boat? He did. Who put him back in? The very one told him to get in it. <laughs> That's God's plan. Stay with it. This number could change Hillsville. If you want to. That's up to you. We can change. Not only Hillsville. But all these little communities around about. But it takes. Everybody doing. What needs to be done. Everybody doing their part. 
Peter was put on a boat to go to the other side. He got out of the a perfectly good boat to get on water that knows that he cannot walk on it. He tried and failed. And when he failed, Jesus picked him up, put him right back on the boat, sent him to the other side, and made it so he could get to the other side. <laughs> marvelous, marvelous, marvelous how God takes care of his own. And we need to obey God. That's what it's all about, obeying God. Hope it didn't keep you too long. No, it's not too bad. I did a pretty good job. Appreciate you folks. I hope something has been said today, has been an encouragement to you. I want to be an encouragement to you. Thank you. Pray for my ministry. Pray that God will uh, raise up uh, people to pray for us. I got prayer cards, by the way. If you don't have one, I try to give them to people. Uh, but if you don't have a prayer card, I have some. I want you to pray for us. Picture's not much. Information's not important. It's just you remember the Tilly family. Uh, we, we need your prayers. We need you to pray uh, specially that God will give us what we need to do to go around the world. The world's getting dangerous. Not for Christians, because we're looking for dangerous spots that we might be able to make it into the presence of God sooner or later. Amen. That's what it's all about. God bless you. We're going to have prayer and go home. Amen. Any, any questions? Anybody got any good questions? I, got, I like to answer questions. Anybody got a good question? No questions? I do such a good job, you know. Yes, sir. Uh, just how did, uh, how did you get started on a ministry Well, I got saved. That's the big one. That ain't what you're asking, I know. But uh, how I got started was I was in school. I was overwhelmed with the ministry. I was preaching in rest homes. and I was preaching and witnessing, telling people about Jesus left, right, and center. I was... Uh, taking care of a little church in Tunnel Hill, Georgia. And while I was preaching, God spoke to my heart about being becoming a missionary while I was preaching. And what I did when I got done preaching, I crawled out of the pulpit and crawled onto an altar. And while I was on the altar, I felt somebody on my side, and it was my wife, saying, whatever you want to do, we'll do it. And that's where it started. That started in 1970. I think it was 74, if I'm not mistaken. Might have been a little before then. But that was my mission endeavor. I'd been called to preach before then. But that's basically how we got started, is that God began to burden me. God laid everything out for me. It's sort of like a, a cafeteria. You walk down and get what you want. And that's what God did. He walked, laid it all out for me. And I've been walking in that path for now for all these years. And God's been good to me. He's given me plenty, plenty, plenty of people saved. Not enough, but I like to see more people saved. Amen. Does that answer your question? Okay. Anybody else got one before we dismiss? No. No, I, I'd rather preach with an interpreter. It gives me time to think. <laughs> Sometimes you get in the pulpit and you say things, and sometimes you say, well, I, we, I could have said that a little different, you know. But uh, when you're preaching with an interpreter, uh, I have preached with three interpreters.
each one of them speaking different. I speak English, somebody else speaks something else, somebody else speaks something else. I, I have preached with four interpreters, preaching four different languages. And that takes a little long. I don't like to do that, but uh, that'll work. Especially when you give the invitation, people come forward and get saved. That's what it's all about. Any other questions? Anything else? Pray for you, preacher. Pray that the Lord will give a safety back. I guess he'll be back this week uh, sometime. But uh, pray for Brother Joe. Uh, I really like the fellow. I've been talking to him a little bit on the phone, not much, but some. Pray for my ministry. We do that. I got prayer cards. If you don't have one, get one. Uh, my heart's desire is that we might be able to train preachers that they might start churches. Churches, churches, churches. That's what it's all about. If we can get churches all around the world, that's what it's all about. If no other questions, we'll be dismissed and go to the house, okay? Let's pray. Would you dismiss us in prayer, my brother? Yeah, please. Uh-huh.